Hey, welcome to another installment of the C5 Podcast. This is Randy Drawn, and I'm here with Matt Avery today. And Matt, you've brought a friend. I have, but before I introduce him, I just want to say, Randy, if I ever start a classic rock radio station, you're going to be the first DJ that I call. Dude, classic rock is the best. The best music was recorded in the 70s. I just have to say it. Okay, so if I give you drive time on my classic rock radio station, what is the first song you're going to play the first day that you're on shift? You know, really, my taste goes, it's far reaching from the Doobie Brothers to Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, some funk all the way down to <laughs> hardcore Southern rock and roll. Man, you're a, you're a man of many diverse tastes and talents. Yeah, I'm excited today because I have a, a good friend and special guest joining us, Mr. Nick Pilkington. Hey, everybody at C5. So, Nick, tell us a little bit about who you are, your family, and uh, how you are related to C5. My name's Nick Pilkington. I'm a Midtown elder. I've been an elder for a number of years now at the 12th South Congregation. And my wife, Whitney, and I have three children, uh, Jude, age seven, Chance, age five, and Neely, age three. And uh, we very much felt like 12 South was our home for the rest of our lives. That was our plan. And then uh, the Lord sent the Averys into our small group a couple of years ago. And here we are today, uh, ready to help launch C5. Yeah, man. Very thankful to have you all. Thank you, man. So, wow, three kids and you guys are staying at home, quarantined. Oh, yeah. How are you guys surviving that? We got two puppies, and then we put the kids outside with the puppies. There you go. (laughs) Let them go for it. Mm -hmm. It's really an unusual time for a team of people to be thinking about planning a church. In fact, no one would have ever planned that the season that you're going to use to build a core group of people to plant a church over on the west side of town that uh, y'all wouldn't be able to meet. But I would love to hear from you guys what you see the Lord doing out there. You know, I've shared with our people through the pastor encouragement videos, midweek videos, and and just conversations I'm having with people. This has been a a really huge gift from the Lord to me personally, and He is weaning me off of all of these other drugs. Uh, That's that's been a strong picture for me. It's just this idea of of being a an addict and addicted to other things to make life okay, or or avoiding other things to make life okay, and. The Lord has just been very kind and persistent to say, hey, I love you too much to let you live like that, and I want to bottom you out and use this season to help do that and um, bring you back to me, your foundation and your your life. And I've heard that spoken through all sorts of different kind of colors and words from a lot of our people, that this has been a, a really sweet time for them to just return to the Lord with hungry hearts for Him and what He wants for their lives. and quiet space to better hear his voice. Yeah, it's been a lot of beautiful stories of people really having their hearts reignited for the Lord and what he's up to. Really, it's beautiful what the Lord does. You'll often hear this at Midtown. God cares more about you than he cares about what you're going to do for him. And wow, here's the Lord pouring himself into your community and developing them because there's really nothing you can do right now. Mm -hmm. Just stay at home. Yeah, And this passage that we're talking about today really is a passage that talks about how the Lord is working in our own hearts and seeks to bring transformation in us first, and then the fruit of that transformation often flows into other people's lives. Yeah, this passage takes up a lot of real estate 
in the book of Acts, two chapters. And so it's very important to Luke. And it's this idea that there are people in all walks of life from all different backgrounds seeking God. They actually want to know God and be close to him and they're searching and the Lord uses us. He uses his people to go and answer those prayers and lead them to Jesus. But uh, there's something in us that he's got to deal with first before that can happen. And so that's that's where we're going today. Good. Well, take us into it. Yeah, today we are in Acts chapter 10, and this story is so long that I'm actually just going to story the passage for us, but I encourage you to go back and read it and spend some time with the Lord in it when you have time. So this passage begins with this man named Cornelius, who we're told is a God-fearer. He is a a man who is a Roman centurion. That means that he is over a hundred soldiers in this army, and he is someone who is looking for God. He is somebody who is praying and giving generously because he is truly seeking God and wanting to follow God, but he's not yet know who Jesus is. And so as he's praying one day, God sends an angel to him and uh, says that your prayers have been answered, and I want you to send for this man named Peter who's going to come to your house and tell you about who God is. And so he sends three men to Peter. Well, meanwhile, Peter is at someone else's house, and he's praying, and then God gives him a vision of this sheet being lowered with all these different kinds of food that these different animals uh, that are not clean under the the kosher uh, food cleanliness laws that God had for the Jewish people. And he invites Peter to rise up and kill these animals and prepare them for food. And Peter says, no, I've never eaten any kind of unclean animal like this. And God says, don't call unclean what I've made clean. And this vision is repeated two more times. And Peter's very confused as about why this is happening. And soon after that, there's a knock on the door and there are three Gentile men who are looking for him. And they say, our boss, Cornelius, has sent for you and we need you to come to his house. And so Peter hears the Holy Spirit tell him that this is indeed the case. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go with these men and I want you to go into this man's house. And so Peter goes with these men to Cornelius's house and he finds Cornelius and his whole family there waiting to hear from him, so excited to see him because he has come with this message from God. And so Peter says, why am I here? And they say, we, we want to know who God is. And so then Peter essentially shares the gospel with them. And then as he is sharing the gospel with them, the Holy Spirit, it says, falls on these people. They begin speaking in tongues. They begin praising God. And Peter sees evidence of the Holy Spirit transforming these people's lives, just like he did with Peter and the rest of the apostles when they were in the upper room waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And Peter says, man, if I'm watching the Holy Spirit fall on these people, then what is stopping us from baptizing them and the, them being a part of this, this new community, this body of Christ? And so that's our, our passage for this morning. This is a really interesting character in Scripture, um, a real man who lived and was called a God-fearing man. When, mm-hmm. What does Scripture mean when it's talking about that? Yeah, this idea of a, a God-fearer is this idea of somebody who really is looking for God. There's somebody who's not... You know, in, in our context, there's somebody who does not have a saving relationship with Jesus yet. They don't know Jesus. 
uh, but they are looking for God. They are hungry. They're on the road. They're searching. Might call them spiritually awake. Was the Holy Spirit's beginning to to do something in them? You when I think about God fear, I think about um, I think about the reality that everybody is searching for God, even if they don't know that they're searching for God. Mm-hmm. But a God fear is someone that seems to be a little bit further down the road on their search. That it's stopped being a self-destructive search to now more of a search with more intentionality to it. Mm-hmm. So when you guys think about that, do you, are you seeing that in our city? Are you seeing that in your communities where you're running into people that are God-fearers? Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head of what I see as the difference is people that are seeking, but they really just enjoy the seeking. And those who are honestly want to know they have turned the corner to start to think there is an answer to these questions that I have, and they really want to find it. The people that come to my mind who I would say, the, the term I've been using is spiritually awake, uh, is these people really are interested in being a good person. How do I be a good person? How do I live the right way? And so some of the ways that I've seen that flesh out in people's lives are people in different religions, people who are just... I would say vaguely spiritual, just very in touch with the fact that there is a spiritual reality in life, but they're very humble and curious, and they're open to engaging and wanting to learn, what's your opinion on these questions of who is God and what is He like and how should we live? And they're genuinely interested, and they want to hear from us. They want to hear from other people's perspectives to help them build their understanding on this journey of who is God and how do I be in a relationship with Him. Nobody's not hungry. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we live in a world where yeah. everybody is hungry and everybody has a hungry heart. There are those that medicate that hungry heart. There are those that try to avoid that hungry heart. We would call those dead men and women walking. Mm-hmm. But there are also those that are trying to feed that heart. And oftentimes those are the folks that we encounter most that are curious about who is Jesus. Okay, as we continue in our story It's incredible here because the Lord seems to be blowing the mind of Peter. Yes. I mean, he tells Peter to go Mm -hmm. and eat all this unclean food, and then he's sending them to the house of a Gentile Roman officer. What is up with this? Yeah, this would be a huge mind blower for Peter because we have to remember the Jewish people, they have very strict food cleanliness laws that God has given them. And... These laws prevented them not only from eating certain kinds of food, but that functionally would prevent them from associating with certain kinds of people, these people that were non-Jews, and it would keep them from going into their houses. It would keep them from sharing meals with them. And we got to remember that in the Old Testament, for God's people, they had all of these laws and all of the ways that things functioned, and they were supposed to be a light on a hill so that everyone would come into them. Right. It was They were just separated from everybody else, right? Yes. Separated and set apart. And it seems like the Lord's tearing all those walls down now. Yeah. And the very thing Peter committed himself to never do, it seems like the Lord is calling him to do. And I'd love for you guys to talk a little bit about when God pushes us out of our comfort zone, like he's doing here with Peter, but he does that with us too, and why that is so painful. Because I love comfort, to be (laughs) honest with you both. (laughs) Me too. Yes. Congregation 5 is a way that the Lord has been doing that in my life time and time again and revealing how much I love comfort. Um, I mean, I think about 
being a part of 12 South for a decade, that was me being like Peter of saying, this is my comfort zone. This is where God has called me. This is where my family is happy and easy. This is where I have a small group that I'm close to and I love. And God has uprooted so much of that in calling us into something else that has blown blown my mind, I think, similarly to, to what Peter was experiencing of thinking, no, God, this is what you call me to. Mm. And why would you be changing that on me now? Mm. Why do we love routine so much? Why do we love what's predictable so much? Like We gather around ourselves a lot of sameness, don't we? Absolutely. Change, being confronted with something different is hard. I love my autonomy, and that's exposed when there's change. I don't want to have to get outside of those comfort zones. It's things that I can control. It's the way that I feel it's been crafted, and it feels... uh, like a, my kid's blankie. I can just hold on to it and it helps soothe me. And then when that's taken away and I'm called into to maturing into something greater than that, it's painful. Hmm. And um, I'm feeling that right now in, in this season with the pandemic that's going on as well. I would say the same for me on control and wanting to know what to expect so that I can make things happen in my own power. But I I would also say for me, there is a a pride, just a deep pride where I still want to put grades and levels on people who God loves and really believe in that he loves me and my kind of people the most. And there are certain kinds of people that I, I, I still don't functionally believe the gospel. I don't believe that I was saved by grace because if I did, I would have no qualms about moving and grooving between all sorts of different kinds of people, but I do. And there's certain kinds of people that I'm less comfortable with and desire to be around less. And I think if you really peel back the onion, some of that is believing that I'm a little bit more superior to them. Yeah, I remember years ago, Midtown started to participate in a uh, reconciliation peanut butter and jelly sandwich project. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been a part of that. Well, it's, it was, we partnered with McKendree Methodist Church and we would make 400 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the women's rescue mission. But we would sit across from somebody that was racially different than us. And we would have a question to talk about while we're making these sandwiches. And at times it was incredibly uncomfortable because you realize that the way I view things is not the way a lot of other cultures and a lot of other people think about the things that I'm thinking about. And it really challenged even my own perspective. And I'd love for you guys to talk about why we, even as Christians in Nashville, that we create a lot of sameness around us, why it's hard for us to make margins and room for people that are different than us. I think there are a couple of different questions wrapped up in that. I think there's the personal discomfort question of what types of people that are different from me, what categories of people different from me do I personally experience discomfort when I'm around? Because maybe we have different social cues and different ways of relating and doing life. And I just prefer to be around people who it's easy to be around. And then I think there's another category of who am I uncomfortable to be around because of the perception of other people seeing me with that kind of person. 
we get in our routine, in our ruts, in our comfort zones. And God seems very committed to getting us out of our comfort zone uh, and expanding kind of our world. And maybe you guys could talk a little bit about why our Heavenly Father is so cruel to us like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I would really like an answer. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've experienced that as being a father myself. It's um, because of the love that I have for my children, I want to set them free. I want to push them to go beyond what's easy, uh, for them to take some risk, for them to experience some pain, because it's good for them. It's what they learn from, they grow from, they're stretched from, they mature from. So much fruit comes from my act as a father in love, challenging my children to see the world from a bigger perspective. And yet it's hard for me to see the Lord loving me and wanting the same thing for me. It's true. It would be the cruelest thing for you never to push your kids beyond what they've experienced before, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We were on vacation a few weeks ago and did a lot of hiking with our two older boys, and they're still pretty little. And so as we walked, they would talk about how tired they were. And so we talked about this idea of how we grow and, and all these things that are so cool and so life-giving are hard. And when we grow and, and learn how to walk a little further, that's going to open up so much more of the woods to get to see and experience all the cool things that are out there in the woods. And I believe that the Lord's doing that in our lives too, is, is hey, I really, this is not about a performance. This is not about you earning anything from me, but this is about me wanting to take you on this really fun, really beautiful adventure and have you be able to even have the capacity to experience it and live it with me. This whole passage is just the beautiful display of how our Heavenly Father is now dipping his paintbrush into this color palette, and now he's painting his kingdom with every nation and every tribe and every tongue and every color and declaring that it's beautiful. and. Mm him pushing us as children now to participate in that color palette. He's saying is for us to participate now with beauty. Yes, And that's something I would love for you guys to talk about because as a new congregation over on the West side, y'all have an intense interest in your community, really understanding how God wants to use them. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what kind of community you're building there that would love the diversity that God is creating in this city. Mm. Yeah, you know, just like Peter in this story, God continues to use his people to answer the prayers of people who are searching for him. And he is inviting us to go into these people's lives. He will bring those people into our lives just like Peter was brought into Cornelius's life. And we come carrying the good news of who Jesus is. These people are asking, who are you, God? And he says, I've got an answer, and it's coming through Matt. It's coming through Nick. It's coming through all of these men and women who I've gathered together to be my body in West Nashville as Congregation 5. And so what's going to happen is we allow God to use us in that way is uh, we get to be a part of his kingdom work. And we get to see men and women from all different races and socioeconomic backgrounds and religions and ethnicities all coming to meet Jesus. And I'm really struck in this passage about Peter. You know, that's where I first identify with is thinking about Peter and me being called to go to the other. And yet I I am the other. 
I am Cornelius. I'm a Gentile. I wasn't part of the original kind of core group of God's people. Mm. And sitting here in the core group of Congregation 5, I can tend to think of myself as Peter on the inside looking out. And yet this is really hitting me with that. I'm on the outside looking in if it weren't for Christ coming after me, that the Holy Spirit moved other people to call me into the family. Mm. And so when I'm reminded of that, that's a the deep motivation why our families being a part of Congregation 5. Mm, that is so good, man. Yeah, it's crazy to think that when the angels sang over the manger, it was the last time God used heavenly beings to declare the proclamation of who Jesus is, that he uses us now. You know, but a lot of people think that what it means to be Christ in a culture is just to bring people to church. But you guys are saying something very different. You're talking about not bringing them in, but going out. Absolutely. That's the turn that God is making here with this experience that Peter had was, you know, all through the Old Testament, we talked about how God's people were a city on a hill. And if you want to be a part, you've got to come up to this city and come through the gate. And now what Jesus is saying to all of his followers is the direction has changed. And now I am sending my people out. He is going out. Jesus is God with flesh on moving into the world, moving into our lives. And he's called his people, he's called us to follow him in that. And so now the call is to go out and be salt and light, to go live lives and live in apartments and houses and neighborhoods and work jobs and move and groove among all of these people in this city, in this community, bringing Jesus and answering those prayers of all of those people out there who are asking God to show himself to them. So if I hear you guys correctly, during this time where we're quarantined, this is a great time for the folks that are part of C5 to ask the Lord to show them if they have any barriers that stand in the way of them being able to love people deeply, regardless of their cultural, racial, language barriers that may be there. How would you encourage your people to do that? How would you want them to begin to search their hearts and process that with Jesus? You know, a couple things I would say, one is just to pay attention and to think about who you've interacted with recently that's caused you to draw back a little bit. Uh, the people who you are not as excited about seeing, the people who you don't have the same desire as you might with people who are more similar to you to ask them to go grab a beer or grab a meal or, or spend time together. And uh, ask the Lord to bring those to your mind. And I think also bringing some categories before the Lord and, and asking Him to search us through the lenses of those categories. For each of us, it's going to be different, uh, the answer to this question of, of who do we feel less comfortable around. For some folks, because of our background and what we've experienced, it's going to be the very wealthy. For some of us, it's going to be the very poor. For some, it's going to be those who we consider to be closed-minded and maybe even racist, and some it's other races. Some it's LGBTQ, and some folks it's going to be the evangelical legalists, people who are foreigners, people who are of different religious backgrounds, um, all these different categories of people, just even taking those categories before the Lord and saying, Lord, will you remove the barriers? Will you remove the blinders and transform me to where I see all of these men and women as people who you are calling to yourself? Would you make me as excited as you are to move into these people's lives and share life and share Jesus with these people. And Nick, I know that we've talked about this before, but I'd love for you to share 
With our folks here, how do you hear the Lord speak to you in these kind of areas where he wants to push you outside your comfort zone and and do some work in your heart? How do you experience him that way? Without a doubt, the Lord has used those closest to me in my life, like my wife, to speak words that would challenge me, that would push me, those that know me best, and also those that don't know me hardly at all. I uh, think about our new small group, Zoom Zoom group for Zoom, C5, um, and how awkward and uncomfortable starting a new group is, and then to do it over video conferencing. <laughs> it's a whole new level. It's a whole new level. And even in that, the Lord is speaking to me and showing me that he's got a passage of scripture that his spirit can move in ways that I couldn't fathom or imagine until I'm actually there experiencing it. And I think that's a lot like what I see here with Peter is he didn't receive what he needed until he needed it. Mm. So as uh, the folks of C5 begin in this season to let the Lord do a new work in their own hearts and soften them and teach them, do you guys have any words for them to encourage them as they go? Because for us to go out into the world as ambassadors of Christ, for some of us, it stirs up a lot of bad memories. It makes us think about one of the guys down on Broadway shouting at people in the mm-hmm. name of Jesus or knocking on doors, door to door, passing out you know, pamphlets for God. How would you guys like for your folks to think about what that means to actually be sent by the Lord? Randy, it's my desire for me and for all of our people to see these people out there who we may not have very much in common with at all who are searching for God, to see them the way that Peter saw this room full of people when he got to Cornelius's house, that he saw a room full of people staring at him with such deep hunger and hope that he was actually there to deliver an answer to where can I find life and who is God? And that to see people in that way would give us a deep joy and a deep desire to bring this good news that's literally going to transform the lives of these people and their families. You know, we've talked a lot about how evangelism, the idea of sharing the gospel has been hijacked in our culture, but just reminding us again that this is something that we were made for, and we were made for this, for it to be a a deep joy to us. It's a gift that God's giving us too, and that we would have the lenses to see that. Yeah, it's beautiful that the Lord was calling Peter into Cornelius's life, and it not just changed Cornelius's life, it changed his whole family's life. As God is calling C5 to the west side of Nashville, not knowing who's over there that the Lord is calling you guys to, but knowing that he is calling you and there are people that are waiting, has got mm-hmm. to be something that's beautiful for you guys and for your core group. Without a doubt. I mean, I see that's... What I think I see him up to is cultivating a sense of curiosity. And I see that uh, in, in the way that Peter responded when he showed up at Cornelius's house is he asked him, so why did you send for me? And so I, I, that's been such an encouragement to me as I've meditated on this for a couple of days is uh, we're going without knowing quite why we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And yet when we get there, that's that's what we can show up with is asking the question of those that we encounter and of the Lord, okay, we're here. Why do you have me here? Mm, that's so good, man. Gospel curiosity. I love that you guys have really challenged your people that even though we love our comfort zone, God is pushing us out of that comfort zone and 
But when he does that, he does it to impact our lives and the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. So excited about you guys and for your team and for what's coming up this fall. So yeah, Matt, I'd love for you to pray for your community and for us. Yeah, thanks, Randy. Father, we uh, again are just so thankful for who you are and how you love us. Lord, you're always coming to us in a posture of love and grace, and you are always coming bearing good gifts. You never come to take from us. You always come to give to us. And so even when we feel uncomfortable, it is because it's a comfort that is unhealthy for us that's actually taking life away and not giving life. And you always come to give life and give it abundantly. And so, Lord, we ask that you would come into our community and into each of our hearts and that you would break down these barriers of pride and fear uh, and self-centeredness that we have so that you can give us the good gift of getting to be a part of your kingdom work and to know you more intimately and more deeply as we join you in that work, but also that we would be the bearers of, of this very great and precious gift of life and, and you, your very self, Jesus, in the lives of hungry people who, who would stare at us and say, what words of hope do you have? Because I'm hungry and I'm looking for God. And so, Lord, would you please continue to do this deep, deep work of changing the loves of our hearts to where it would be our joy to befriend and share life with these people who are in this part of this city and who we work beside and play beside and live beside, Lord, that you would use us to draw them to yourself and that we would just get to enjoy working with you, our Father who loves us so much. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.